can. And uh, <laughs> let's open up to Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20. And we begin reading in verse 20. It says, And so they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be righteous, that they might season his words in order to deliver him to the power and the authority of the governor. And then they asked him, saying, Teacher, we know you say and teach rightly, and you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. Let me ask you a question. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But he, Jesus, perceived their craftiness, and he said to them, Why do you test me? Show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription does it have? And they answered and said, Caesar's. And so he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. But they could not catch him in his words in the presence of the people, and they marveled at his answer and kept silent. Now we read right here that they came to Jesus. They were the disciples. They were sent. Uh, by the Herodians and the Pharisees. And they came to Jesus to kind of like catch him in his words, right? And they brought up that great issue of taxes. You know, they said, hey, Jesus, what do you think on this? You know, should we pay taxes or not? Now, if he would have said a simple yes, then he would have ostracized the Jews because the Jews knew that was their land. God gave them that land. And in all reality, the bottom line, they shouldn't be paying taxes because of that. But if he would have said a simple yes to uh, the, you know, these guys that would have ostracized the Jews, if he would have said a simple yes to the, you know, no to them, then what that would have done was that would have given him, you know, that place of now we have an accusation, we can arrest him. It gets him in hostility with the Roman government. And so, you know, they thought they came with a trick question. They wanted to catch him. They wanted to catch him because they hated him, right? And so what we find is that um, the Lord, he kind of turns it around. And the thing that I like about it is so cool, you guys, is that, you know, rather than getting mad, I mean, he did call them hypocrites. When you read Matthew 23, man, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. You're not really here for the right reason. He perceived their craftiness. He knew exactly what they were doing. But it's cool, man. Even though uh, they came to catch him, what we find in the Lord's response is that he then wanted to catch everybody. Because he loves us so much. You know, maybe you're here today and you're not walking with the Lord. Or you're struggling in whatever it is in, in your life. You know, you got to know this, man, that the Lord, he's after you, man. You remember how it was when you were in high school, you found out somebody liked you? Do you guys remember that? Maybe it was when you were younger. Who knows? For me, it was the third grade. I found out that she liked me, right? <laughs> and so when you find out that someone likes you, you're like, okay, now you got to make a decision. Do you like them? Right? And then you start dating in the third grade or wherever it is, man, you know. <laughs> and for us, we got to know that God not only likes us, God loves us. They tried to catch Jesus, but then Jesus would turn it all around and he would actually use this as an opportunity to catch us. Not only then, but you're going to see even now. And so they say, well, should we pay taxes? And what does Jesus say? Okay, show me a denarius. Show me a denarius. Now, in those days, whenever a ruler would conquer a land, immediately he would mint money with his image on it, and it was known to everybody that, in all reality, this belongs to 
you know, this ruler. And so they would show him a denarius, which in those days was about a day's wages, which we'll say today maybe was 100 bucks, okay? Anybody here have $100? Can I be your friend? Anybody here? No. A Benjamin Franklin, whatever it is. Anyways, you know, they looked at it, and then he said, okay, whose image and inscription is on it? And they said, Caesar's. And so it was real simple for Jesus. You know, he just said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But it was cool. He said, render to God the things that are God's. So they were trying to catch him. The Lord went deeper and said, let me catch you. And this is kind of the way it works, you guys. You know, they would look at the coin and they would see the image of Caesar. And when I look at you, I see the image of God. I see the inscription of God on you. You know, the Bible teaches that we were created in the image of God. If you would, go back to Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to make you guys turn to a whole bunch of passages because I don't want you to fall asleep. That's really the bottom line. (laughs) I was busting up in the first service, man, when Henry said that we were having the National Day of Breakfast. Oh, man, that made me laugh. I don't know why I said that, but anyways, Genesis 1, look at verse 26. And then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, there are some people that are creepy, but we are not creepy things, okay? And, and what God is doing right here is he's making a distinction. When God made us, he said, let us make man in our image. There's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit speaking. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. If you go over to Genesis chapter 5, keep going in your Bibles. Genesis 5, notice it says in verse 1, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. You see, he made him... In the image of God, he made him in the likeness of God. It's so valuable. Look at Genesis chapter 9, verse 6. Look what it says. It says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. Why? For in the image of God, he made man. You see, we are not animals. And it's important for you to understand that. You know, we are created in the image of God. Um, go over to James chapter 3, if you would. You guys still awake? All right, James chapter 3. Notice it says in verse 9. Now, the context here is he's speaking about what we do with our tongue. And so you guys are here right now. You are praising God, right? Right? Okay, do you ever use that same tongue to talk smack about people? Do you ever do that? You talk sometimes as gossip. You know, one of the things that I got to tell you, and I just pray, if there is anyone here who's struggling with cutting words, let's just say you say like just these awful words to your wife or to your husband or to your children, may I beg of you, stop it. Don't you know what those words do? I mean, we've heard the, the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Man, that's not true. Those words will, will, are recorded onto the hard drive of their heart, and they will remember that for the rest of their lives. You know, be careful what you say. Be careful with your tongue. 
That's why he says here in James chapter 3, verse 9, he says, With it, with our tongue, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men. That's sad. Who have been made, notice it says, in the similitude of God. Similitude. We get an English word, similar. You see, we're created in the image of God, and we have to understand that. It's very important. The Hebrew word, it means resemblance. It means model. It means pattern. The Greek word right here, it means uh, icon. It speaks of certain similarities. You know, and there's certain similarities between you and God. You're like, well, what are they? Okay, let me give you five things. Real quick, five things that you and I are in the Lord. And it's important for us to understand this because... What we're going to find, and I hope you guys know this, that when you come to church, it's not like you're coming to offer a sacrifice. Okay, It's not like that. When we come to church services, we're coming to learn the truth. We want to know the truth. You want to know why? Because the whole world is full of lies. And unless you know the truth, you will not be free. You'll not be free. You are not an animal. You are not here as a product of evolution. God made you, and God has stamped his representation on you. You know, one of the things, number one, is that we are moral beings. We are moral beings. And what that means is that, you know, you and I kind of have an understanding of what's right and wrong. There's this conscience within us. Even though sometimes our conscience gets all jacked up, it gets seared, we're made with a conscience. Number two, we are social beings, social beings. And so I can hang out with you. We can go have a double-double. And we can talk together. And I can say, hey, what's up? How are you doing? How was your week today? And we could have a conversation together. It's really cool. We can talk about what an amazing comeback the Dodgers had last night. Whatever it is, you know, that, of course, we want to talk about things that are more valuable. But, you know, we are social beings. We are moral beings. Number three, we are emotional beings. We are emotional beings. And we cry. And we laugh. And we rejoice. There's something about us that's different, you know. I just, I just keep busting up when I think of the National Day of Breakfast. I was like, man, we got to do this, you know. Um, number four, and here's a good one, we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings. And you want to know what that means? Okay, we're moral beings, so we can have a relationship with each other. But as spiritual beings, we can have a relationship with God. Doesn't that blow you away? You see, my, I love my dog, Chip. I love him. And you, you know, if you ever come over, I would expect you to be very nice to him. I, I like Chip a lot, but he's just a dog. You know, he's not a moral dog or an emotional dog or, you know, a social dog necessarily. He's not a spiritual dog. And then, and then for, fifthly, he's not eternal. We're eternal. We are eternal. You know, we will live forever in heaven or hell. And so that's why it's important for us to understand that we are not animal. We are not animal. You know, if your kids are going to school and they're learning that, my heart goes out to you. You as a parent, you have a real strong challenge to make sure that you teach them that evolution is not true. Because what evolution teaches is that we are, you know, from the animals, that we are part of the animal kingdom. And we are not. We are social, moral, spiritual, eternal, emotional. We are not animal. We are not products of evolution. You know, on the way in today, I was talking to my son. My son, you know, he's not like me. He's smart. (laughs) 
oh man, this guy blows me away. You know, when I was in school, how many of you wish you could go back to school just so that you could listen this time around? Because <laughs> when I went to school, I was just not into it, man. I was not wanting to learn. I was just wanting to mess around. I was just wanting to, to party and do all those other things. And so, you know, I had a couple of challenges against me. Number one, I wasn't paying attention. Number two, I didn't have a brain that could retain all these things, right? And now my brain's even worse, <laughs> because of all the drugs I did. So anyways, I wish I could go back and learn all these things. You know, don't you wish you could learn the geography and the history and the biology and, you know, and all those things, the anatomy of the body. I was telling my son, tell me how, you know, our bodies work. You know, how do our muscles work? You know, how does it go from here, you know, to here? And he was explaining all these things to me. And I said, wow, we are so fearfully and wonderfully made, huh? I mean, your eye is amazing. Your eyes are amazing. The way that you can focus on things far, things close, the colors that you can see. Your ears are amazing. And if you ever study the ear, it's amazing the way that we can listen to different sounds. And we have, uh, it's like a piano in there. Um, You know, your, your tongue, I mean, you name it, your taste, everything, your touch. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, you cut yourself. Isn't it amazing how it fixes itself? I mean, what? Don't you wish your computer was like that? <laughs> you know, don't you wish you had your iMac and it would rep- reproduce another iMac? You know, no. Com- you know, computers, machines, things that we make are not like that. What God made is amazing to me. So how foolish it is to think that we are products of random chance. Like I told you guys many times before, it'd be like thinking there's an explosion in a junkyard, and out comes a 747 plane. Or there's an explosion in a print shop, and out comes a dictionary. It's not going to happen, you guys. And so we need to know this, I think, in our study today. that We need to learn the truth that I am not an animal, that I am created in the image of God. And this is why evolution should be really called evolution. That's what I think. If you go over to Romans chapter 1, Are you guys awake yet? See, I make you turn your Bible so you can stay awake. Romans chapter 1. Notice what it says in verse 22. Professing to be wise, they became what? Fools. Fools. It takes more faith to be an atheist, to be someone who believes in evolution, than it does to be a theist. To just simply made, well, yeah, it makes sense. Somebody made you. Look at you. You're amazing, right? Professing to be wise, they became fools. And it says right there, And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies and themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Now, we don't know for sure, and I can't be dogmatic about this, but I believe, most theologians believe, that the lie is evolution. That's the lie. Because if you can get people to believe in evolution, that there's not a maker, there's not a creator, there's not a lover of your soul, if you can get people to believe that you are just here without any purpose, that you're here by accident, you're here by chance, that would be the biggest lie of all. And that's why a lot of people believe that that's what that is right there. And he goes on and he talks about how then just everything would then naturally decay. If I'm just an animal, what stops me from, you know, being like the dog down the street? Nothing, right? 
But when if I'm created in the image of God, it changes everything. You see, we are created in the image of God. And let's go back to Luke chapter 20. And the Lord says in verse 25, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar. And here it is. And render to God the things that are God's. The word render, it means to give up. It means, you know, to give back. See, that coin that Jesus was looking at, that denarius, it had the image of Caesar on it, and so he said, give it back to Caesar then. That's fine. Did any of you here cheat on your taxes? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> you know, some people do that, and they think even as a Christian, I can. No, you can't. you got to pay your taxes, right? Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and render to God the things that are God's. You have God's image on you. You have the similitude. You have that icon. You are, you know, created in his image. And therefore, what do we need to do? We need to give ourselves back to God. We need to give it up, man. That's what the Greek word means. Give it up. Give it back. Give your life back to God. That's what Jesus is saying. So you might wonder, well, how do I do that? Well, let's go back to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Are you awake yet? Some of you are sleeping. I see it. And more importantly, God sees it, okay? Snap out of it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so he says, after everything that God has done, He made you. He redeemed you. What I want you to do is I want you to represent your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. That's going to mean two things. Number one, you and I got to be holy. We got to be holy. Uh, Moral beings, you know. um, We have to live a life that would reflect God's, you know, image within us. We got to be moral. The way that we know that is by reading this word right here. You know, What the world is trying to do, if you haven't discovered this already, is they're trying to tell you lie after lie after lie. They're trying to conform you into their image, right? Let's put Manny in our mold. But what God is trying to do is God's trying to renew your mind. How? By the truth. Renewing your mind. And that's what ends up happening when you study the Bible and you realize what's really right and wrong, right? And so, number one, when you give your life back to God, you want to be moral. We have to be moral people. And then number two, when you give your life back to God, we've got to be ministry people. Because look what he says right here in verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, Here it is. Having then gifts differing according to the graces given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So, how does this all work? Well, we are a body. We're a body. And we're all different parts of the body. And you want to know something? And I, and I try to tell people this all the time. You know, we need you. And it's not you need us. It's not, you, it's not just, oh, you need us. We need you. 
You know, because maybe you're the, you know, the right toe on the foot. <laughs> maybe you're the heart. Maybe you're the right hand, the left hand. You know, I don't know what it is, but we're all different parts of the body. And what ends up happening is when you understand what this is all about, you really begin to understand that you're made in the image of God and therefore you need to render to God the things that are God. You will be a moral person based on the scriptures and you're going to be a ministry person. And you're going to start getting involved in the church and serving somehow in this world. There's somewhere in this world where God has a place for you to serve him. You know, and I'm not saying it necessarily always has to be in the church. A lot of times it is in the church. You're a teacher. You know, you're helping in the children's ministry. You're an usher, whatever it is, a pastor, a missionary. It's not always in the church, but somewhere out there in this world that we live in, there's a place for you to serve God. That's what happens when you render to God the things that are God's. You're a moral person. You're a ministry person. And you're going to find satisfaction in your life because you're no longer going to be living your life for yourself. You really begin to live your life for God and other people. You know, because there's guys that are really cool that won't listen to me. Why? Because I'm not cool. I got a problem. But they'll listen to you. Why? Because you're very cool. (laughs) I I don't know how it is. There's connections that you have. You know, there's things that we see that, you know, not one person can do, but as a team we can do. And all I know is this, is that the lie says you're just an animal. But the truth is you're created in God's image. And therefore, give yourself back to God. Give it up. That's what the word says. You see, that was one of the lies. Another lie was this. Have you guys ever heard this lie? That after you die, that's it? You guys ever heard that? Nothing beyond the grave. You go six feet under, you stay six feet under, right? You turn to dirt, right? God made dirt and dirt can't hurt. and That's all you are, right? No, that's another lie. It's another lie. Look what we see next in Luke chapter 20. Notice what it says right here. In verse 27, that some of the Sadducees who deny that there is a resurrection, they came to him and they asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife, and he dies without children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died without children. The second took her as wife, and he died childless. And then the third took her, and in like manner the seven also And they left no children and died. Now, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels and they didn't believe in spirits. That's why they were sad, you see. That's very clear to see, right? No angels, no spirits, no life after death, right? We read that in Acts chapter 23, verse 8. And so they came to Jesus and they said, you know what? This is going to prove our point. We're going to talk about that scripture back in Deuteronomy chapter 25 in verses 5 and 6 where it says this. It says if there is a guy here, he's married to a girl and the guy dies, then his brother marries her and they got to have a boy so that they can have someone to inherit their land. And so what they did was they brought this, it's called the Leveret marriage, and they said, well, this is the case, Jesus. What happened, man, was this guy died? 
and then his brother married her, and uh, he died, and then his other brother married her, and he died, and his other brother <laughs> married her, and he died, you know, and Jesus probably should have said, well, was she a good cook, or what's up with that, man? Why are all these guys dying, or was she a bad cook? Seven of them died. Anyways, their question is, so when they go to heaven, whose wife is she going to be? They thought they had Jesus on some type of marital technicality, right? And Jesus made it real simple. He says in verse 34, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, nor can they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. When you read uh, Mark's account, Mark said this, you guys are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. That's what he says. You see, God can do anything, you guys. If God made this world, how hard would it be for him to raise us up and to give us a body that can inhabit heaven? Not very hard, right? But they didn't know the scriptures and they didn't know the power of God. And so what ends up happening, the Lord says, listen, let me tell you the way it is. Okay, people get married now, but they're not going to be married in heaven. There's no marriage in heaven. There's no death in heaven, so there's no procreation necessary. You know, and so here you are and you're married on earth. And I know for a lot of you, you're like, oh, man, we're not going to be married in heaven? No. You know, if you like your marriage, that's good news. If you don't like your marriage, then maybe, well, actually, it goes the other way around, right? Bad news, good news. All I know is this, that, you know, you can still be best friends. That's what I tell Shelly. We'll still hang out. (laughs) You can still be my best friend, but we're not going to be married in heaven. There's no marriage in heaven, and there's no death in heaven. Read Revelation chapter 21. No more death. And so that's what he's trying to tell these guys right here. Real simple, you know. He says, we're going to be like the angels. And, and now, just I need to say this, because a lot of people think that when we die, we become angels. You know? Listen, that's not what the Bible teaches. Oh, you know, uncle, uncle so-and-so, he's an angel now. I think he got his wings, you know? He did a few good deeds. No, no. Angels were created before we were. Okay, one-third of the angels fell. According to Revelation chapter 12, they became demons, right? Uh, when we get to heaven, as a matter of fact, we're going to judge the angels. Angels don't know grace. We do. We're going to be like the angels in the sense that we won't be married and we won't die. That's all Jesus is saying. And then he gives them scriptural support because the Sadducees only believed from Genesis to Deuteronomy, so he had to take it out of the Pentateuch. And so we read in verse 37, But even Moses showed in the burning bush passage that the dead are raised when he called the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. For all live to him. And then some of the scribes answered and said, Teacher, you have spoken well. But after that, they dared not question him anymore. You know, as a, as a, a servant, as a, as a pastor, as a friend, um, you know, there are some guys who say, you know what, I just want people to come to the church. And they get all excited about that. You know, the church is growing or whatever. But, um, you know, and I'm blessed that you're here. Don't get me wrong. 
But a hundred million times more important than, than that is you having a life in Christ. You know, that you would exalt God, that you would enjoy God. You know, God is a good God. He really is. And I know this. I know the way that it works is a real simple thing, that, that there's a whole bunch of lies out there. There's a whole bunch of lies that will get you off track. I know that. And that's why I thank God for his word. Because his word is the truth that gets us back on track. You're not an animal. You are created in the image of God. I hope you see that. You know, just like you're looking at that coin, just look deeper. You know? And number two, there is life after death. There really is. We either go to heaven or hell. The Lord says, listen, there's a passage in the book of Exodus where God appeared to Moses and he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, you know, I'm not the God of the dead. I'm the God of the living. You know, one day when I die or when you die, you know, you can say, you know, that he's the God of many and many is still there alive. God's not the God of the dead people. God's not the God of the, the people who, you know, turn into dirt. No, he's the God of the living. And that's what he's trying to say to them. Listen, there really is life after death. You know, and we can't get around it. My prayer is that we would prepare for that day and that we would receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We would receive his love. Because that's all he's trying to tell these guys. Listen, there is angels, there is demons, there is spirits, and there is a resurrection. And one day God will raise us from the dead. How many of you here, just out of curiosity, you have bodies that are all messed up, all jacked up? You know? <laughs> and I think part of the reason that God does that, well, we're, it's all part of the fall because sin entered in. But, you know, when our, nobody knows. Like Brother Ray here, man, he's in great shape. He's in better shape than me, and he's 40 years older than I am, right? You know, and so, you know, part of the reason, though, that things that happen to us is God begins to tell you, hey, get ready. You know, and it can happen to any of us at any time. Not only that, get ready, but the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that our bodies are groaning for a new body. You know, I would, I would like a new body. I'd like to be thinner. I'd like to be taller. I'd like to have no gray hair. You know, I'd like to do, I'd like to fly. How many of you would like to fly in heaven? You're like, okay, I'm going to Hawaii, and then you're there. You know, I wanted to take, well, I shouldn't go there. Anyways, all I'm saying is that, man, you know, we're going to get a new body. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that the God has placed eternity in our hearts. We know there's more. I pray you would know that. The Lord just says, listen, you guys got to know that there really is a resurrection. You know, they were trying to silence him. They were trying to catch him in his words. But, of course, they would never do that. There's three lies that I think that are prevalent in our society today. And number one is that you're an animal. Number two is there's no life after death. And number three, and we'll close with this, is the last one, because I know you guys are getting hungry for the breakfast burritos, and this is the National Day of Breakfast. And so um, (laughs) um, one more lie, and that is this, that Jesus was just another man. Because look what we read next. It says in verse 41, And he said to them, How can they say that the Christ is the son of David? Now David himself said in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. 
Therefore, David calls him Lord. How is he then his son? Then in the hearing of all the people, he said to the disciples, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Jesus said, These will receive a greater condemnation. We're not animals. Don't believe that lie. There is life after death. Get ready for that day. And Jesus is much, much more than a man. You know, the Lord now questions the questioners. And he says, okay, let me ask you a question. Now it's my turn. The, the, the Messiah, they call him the son of David. But if they call him the son of David, then why does it say in Psalm 110, verse 1, the Lord said to my Lord, now David said it, he called him my Lord, sit in my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now if David is his ancestor and the Messiah is just his son, why does he call his son Lord? And it was a good question, right? Um, what we find in that is that, you know, what the Lord is trying to do is he's trying to wake him up and tell him, hey, listen, the Messiah is more than just a man, Okay. And when you begin to read the Bible, you find that he is, yes, the descendant of David, but he's more than that. Let's go over to Isaiah chapter 11. Are you guys awake yet? You're like, man, he ain't barely making it. Hurry up. Okay. Isaiah 11. Notice it says in verse 10, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. Now Jesse is the father of David. The Messiah is the root of Jesse. He's the root of Jesse. But if you look at verse 1, it says in verse 1, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And so you're like, wait a minute. Number one, he's the root of Jesse, number two, he's the branch. How can you be both the root and the branch? And what we find right here is the Lord is saying, listen, he's much, much more than just the son of David. He's also the son of God. He's God. You know, and when you understand who Christ is, I think it makes everything, you know, come together. You know, um, not only did just some man die for you on the cross. You know, I tell Jehovah Witnesses this all the time. It wasn't just an angel that died for you on the cross. God died for you. God. God died for you. And so you're saying, well, yeah, this God that died for me on the cross, he wants me to follow him. Yeah. Look at how much he loves you. He won't lead you anywhere, man, that won't be the best thing for you. He is the son of David. He's the son of God. He's the Lord. And when you really begin to understand who Jesus is, it, it just, man, it changes everything. You know, and that's why, you know, you guys today in closing, I just want to encourage you, you know, and I thank God that you're here, but that, you know, it doesn't have to be emotional. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to cry. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. It doesn't have to be emotional. All it has to be is true, just true. And you are created in the image of God. Please, 
Be moral people. Be ministry people. Give your life back to God. Find out where you're supposed to serve Him. You know, you and I, we will live after we die. And that's why sometimes when we go to funerals and we know a loved one died, we know where they are. They're in heaven. You know, I remember Dr. Dobson. He talked about when, you know, when uh, he was talking to his kids. And he said, you know, one day I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And this is what he said to his kids. And I need to tell you this right now. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. And this is what I want to say to you, my son. Be there. You be there. I'll be waiting for you. We'll have a reunion in heaven. We'll have chorizo in heaven. We'll have barbecues in heaven. We'll chocolate's going to be good for you. We're going to be there. See, when we give our life to Christ. Because if we don't, then we won't. Just you surrender yourself to his love, right? We need to know that Jesus is much more than just a man. You know, the Muslims tell you he was just another one of the prophets. That's not true. The Jews will tell you he was just another random rabbi. That's not true. He's not just the son of man. He's the son of David. And so the Lord just closes with a warning back in Luke 20. And we'll close with this. He, he gives a warning and he says, and, I, and he warns the people and he warns the leaders. Again, notice verse 46. Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes. They love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts. Who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. What the Lord is saying this, and here's maybe even another lie that I could just say to you, maybe that you know you need to be beware of. You know, if a guy, let's just say he's a spiritual leader, kind of a spiritual leader, you know, a, a priest, a pastor, he's just a man, you know, and you don't have to exalt them in any way. You know, some guys, they expect the respect, huh? Some guys, man, they, they think that by their position, they can get a lot of money off the people. They can devour widows' houses, some guys that are out there, and you see some of those churches out there, I've seen some, some guys, they have bodyguards. They don't want anybody to talk to them. Why? Because they think they're somebody. They're a nobody. We're no, you know who I am? I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And so, you know, be careful if you ever see that. You know, the rabbis in these days, it got so bad that when they would expect the greetings, you want to know something? They expected the people to call them master. Okay. Okay, you don't have to call me master. You don't have to call me pastor. You don't. Just call me dude or bro. Nanny. See, be careful with that. Don't follow people who are like that. He's warning the people. You know better than that. And then he warns these guys. He says, and listen, they will receive a greater condemnation. These guys that start ripping off the people and you see them on television, they're asking for money. We never ask for money here. You, there, you know what? God's got a hot spot in hell for them. And so we know better, man. We learn these things today. I pray that you and I would understand the truths of his word. You know, it's an issue of rendering to God the things that are God's. Real simple. Lord, I give you my life. I give you my heart. It's an issue of rising in God one day. When we die, it could be any day. And it's an issue of realizing who God is in the face of Jesus Christ. Man, I pray that you guys would exalt God in your life. But I really pray 
and I'm saying this with all my heart, man. I pray that you would enjoy God as well. Did you know that you could dance as a Christian? You could dance, man. I mean, I mean, some can and some can't, if you know what I mean. But, <laughs> you know, we can, we can, man, sometimes people think that Christians are like, you know, it's boring. No way. It's awesome. It's awesome. We get to go to Cambodia. We get to go to Mexico. We get to go, well, some of us get to go to Israel, man. We get to see God change lives and break people free from addictions. We get to see the most amazing things. We get to see love, real love, peace, joy, all the things that are good. And so if you're here today and you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, you know, you have to give your life to him. You've got to just, real simple, like the rest of us, acknowledge that you're a sinner separated from God. But man, man, I encourage you today, take that step. And just give your life to God and just receive him as the Lord and Savior of your life. Jesus Christ, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus is enough. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. Father God, we thank you so much for your love and grace in our life, Father God. I thank you for your word Lord, that just teaches us uh, things that we would never hear anywhere else, Lord. I thank you for everyone here, Lord, each and every person. I pray you bless them and strengthen them, meet them where they are. And Lord, I pray that if there is any here today that don't know you as Lord and Savior, or maybe they've drifted away, that today would be the day they come back and they surrender their lives to you. We love you so much, Lord. We thank you so much for those of us that are Christians, Lord, that... Um, we've been walking with you. We are just so grateful the way that you have been so faithful all of our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, allow us, Lord, to exalt you, to enjoy you, and just give us wisdom, Lord, in so many decisions that have to be made, so many things that are going on in our life. We just pray for you to baptize us in your Holy Spirit, Lord. And as my brothers and sisters go out into the world, into their Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and every day as they go out, I pray they would go out with power. I pray they would go out with love, peace, joy, all the things that are good, all the things that only come from you. Bless them. Bless their families, Lord. Bless the marriages that are here. Father, I pray you would just uh, have mercy on these marriages, uh, the parents and their kids, how they need wisdom, the single people, Lord. Help them, Lord. Be with them. Maybe sometimes they're even lonely. Lord, I pray you would fill the void and just do a mighty work. We do love you. We lift up our nation, our leaders, our soldiers. Father, this country, Lord, we pray, even as we get ready for the National Day of Prayer, Lord, that you would do a great and sweeping work through our country. We love you and we thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand and we'll sing a song. And if you